You're listening to Food for the Future on 980 CFPL and 980CFPL.ca. Here's your host, Peggy O'Neill. Peggy O'Neill, home economist and host of Food for the Future. Today's show is part of the monthly Waste Not series in which we discuss food-related waste and other ways that households and communities can act locally to contribute to global change. We'll be discussing how to avoid food waste and delicious ways to use leftovers with Christine Tizard, author and founder of the Zero Waste Kitchen. Welcome, Christine. Hello, Peggy. I'm so glad to be here. Thank you. We're absolutely delighted to have you here today, Christine. You're a creative person and you founded the Zero Waste Kitchen. You also wrote a couple of cookbooks. The one we'll talk about today is Cook More, Waste Less. How did you get started in the creative industry? You know, that's a really good question, actually, because my dream in high school was to become a veterinarian. It's kind of something that I fell into. I started in the fashion and acting industry at a very young age. And then when my kids were just starting to go to kindergarten and and I didn't have them at home during the days and I was kind of tired of going to auditions and I felt like I I needed more with my life. I just, I, I, one day I just enrolled myself in chef school. I was really interested in cooking and recipes and I watched a ton of the food network and I was kind of obsessed with the whole thing. And I always loved food and I had this great vision of being a restaurateur, but it was, it was through actually the acting that I discovered this whole world of food styling and how there are people needed to be on set to do advertisements and uh, do all of this creative things with all these creative things with food. So I started doing a ton of food styling. Then, of course, that leads into being on, you know, being the creative person doing the food on food photography sets and then, you know, looking and reading and going through cookbooks. And and then I was like, I'm going to write a cookbook one day. You have launched the Zero Waste Kitchen. Can you tell us more about that? Being a food stylist, the predicament that I personally always had at the end of every day at work was I had an excess of food. So I, I develop all these like tips and tricks for doing that. But I've also developed over the weekends, I'd come home with food or I try to pawn food off. I'd be like, well, what am I going to do with like 95 tight chilies? You know what I mean? And I couldn't (laughs) handle throwing it away. Being in the culinary world, I always had a ton of people asking me, uh, lots of parents, what do I do with leftovers? My kids won't eat leftovers. My husband won't eat leftovers. So I kind of got a little bit obsessed with like food waste. And then I started doing research on food waste. And then I started to realize what the statistics were on that and how it affects climate change. And then I was like, is there a cookbook written about this? Does anybody know how to reduce their food waste at home? And I found that there was a gap now almost six or seven years ago. Now it's everywhere and we're all trying to reduce our food waste. An incredible wealth of knowledge. What are some of the most common questions that you get asked for the zero waste kitchen? The leftovers is a big one. Like people don't want to reheat them. So I always tell people, well, don't reheat, reinvent, like do something different with it. Uh, how, how to store things properly. I think a lot of people just don't know 
why their carrots are going limpy. Why are my potatoes always sputting? Why is my cheese going moldy? What do I do? The other big thing that comes up right now is best before dates. That's a big one right now because people are becoming more aware that best before dates don't necessarily mean what they think it does. What was one of the most rewarding experiences that you've had in helping people that adopt a zero waste approach to food in their kitchens? I've been getting a lot of kids and teenagers reach out through social media that are really worried about climate change and are starting to realize things about food waste and wanting to talk or have questions. So that's really, really rewarding. Um, And then the other thing that I love is people coming together to share their ideas and having an open communication about, you know, well, I do this with this leftover stuff and, oh, I store my food this way, or my grandma did this and this really works. Uh, so I find that really, really nice. Just, just knowing that people are engaged and people are looking to do the work, uh, I find really rewarding. Right. That shared purpose, right? Mm-hmm. So you mentioned a younger person with a podcast and someone saying, well, my grandma does this. So we're right across like the family spectrum and the, the life spectrum that we're all hands on deck. Everybody's responding. And you've really helped us out with that, with your beautiful cookbook, which is cook more waste less. And we want to find out about your creative process as well. What was the process to write your cookbook? So the biggest thing is coming up with the idea and 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 asking yourself, well, is there a need for this? But the process of writing a cookbook is quite lengthy. I, uh, the typical timeline to write a cookbook and get it on the shelves is anywhere between two and three years. And and this one took a bit longer because COVID kind of held up some stuff. I start with the idea and then I start with what my inspiration is. And that usually comes through the recipes and my experience and what I love and what I love to cook that is within that cookbook genre, I do the research. And through the research process, that builds out the book. And then from there, I look at all those things and then I I build out the chapters between me and the publisher. That's where that kind of work really starts to go. So, you know, how many recipes are in each chapter? How do we, you know, how do we format it? And then it comes into the recipe testing formatting, editing, and then you have like the finished manuscript and, you know, you go back and forth and back and forth. Uh, And then the last part is the photography and putting together a photography team and working with them to really figure out and the publisher to figure out what the best style is to get that on the market. And I do the food styling as well. And I hired a great great team, a great photographer and a great prop stylist to help me out with that. And it was lovely. So quite a process. So everyone looking at their cookbooks and <laughs> ones that have their favorites, it's it's not just the beautiful photography and the recipes that work and, uh, and provide inspiration. There's been a whole, not just a team, but a whole process. And you had said three years behind it, although COVID interrupted, that's a long process. So what that means is you've got to really believe in the message. And that's where you started, which is you've got an idea, you've got something you want to say. And certainly in Cook More, Waste Less, there is a message. And I have my copy right here, which is just wonderful. And I absolutely love who it's dedicated to. You know, you often... I absolutely love it. And I'm going to read it right now to the wonderful world we live in and to all of you who strive to keep it that way. Respect. It unifies like nature and people in it. 
because it's, it's to the world and it's to the people. And I just loved that unification, but I also loved the, um, reminder of why a zero waste kitchen or why cook more waste less. And, um, it's a great call to action. And I, uh, I also saw that there were some incredible things. It's not just using food in recipes, which is obviously the core of the book, but I have never seen, you have some tips in just so household cleaning and I've never seen using brown sugar with a little bit of salt to clean pots and pans. And it's, it would be a very non-abrasive way. Mm -hmm. I've got all these concoctions at the end. I've destroyed the thing I was trying to clean just because I I like them shiny, but I'm going to try the the brown sugar with the salt. And I've never heard of that. So there's just so many ideas in the cook more waste less to use up food in various ways. And um, what's one of your favorite recipes in the cookbook? I figured out that you can eat banana peels and that blew my mind because bananas are one of the one, one thing that is, is very much wasted. Yes. I waste a lot of bananas and it's, I'm not going to get into why, but eating banana peels is actually their banana peels are very good for you. They have more potassium and they have a ton of fiber. So I bake banana bread now with the peels and the banana bread is so much better. It's called This Bread is Bananas, and it looks absolutely delicious. Um, Cook more, waste less with many, many ideas on how to use leftovers, how to use up groceries, how to transform food food scraps. It's really, really a great resource. And I can't wait to talk more about it after the break, Christine. After the break, we'll find out how to transform leftovers with Christine Tizard, founder of the Zero Waste Kitchen and author of Cook More, Waste Less. Welcome back to Food for the Future on 980CFPL and 980CFPL.ca. Here's your host, Peggy O'Neill. I'm Peggy O'Neill, home economist and host of Food for the Future. We're speaking with Christine Tizard, founder of the Zero Waste Kitchen and author of Cook More, Waste Less, about ways to use up leftovers. Christine, in your book, Cook More, Waste Less, you present recipes to use up groceries, tackle food scraps, and transform leftovers. What kinds of groceries often need to be used up and how can we use them? The most perishable food items are the ones that need to be used up faster. More perishable food items tend to be the ones that are more expensive, right? You're going to buy fresh fish, it's going to cost you a small fortune these days. Yeah. Um, and it's also quite perishable. Uh, and also, according to the stats on uh, Love Food Hate Waste Canada, which is also another great resource for people out there wanting to reduce their food waste at home, they have a list of all of the items that people most often toss. And, you know, fruits and vegetables are at the top of the list. And it's kind of twofold because it's not only about using them up faster so you don't throw them away but it's also about teaching people how to store them properly so they also last longer in your fridge and or your freezer so you can eat them at another time so it's a timing thing and understanding the nature of the food and it's 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 total life cycle like how long it'll last and be well and so planning for that and ways to use it when it's not quite um you may not like it fresh anymore like sometimes um like spinach will go just it's not gone bad, but it's just a little wilty and maybe not going to be as fresh for you know a salad but delicious in a soup or mm-hmm. fantastic. 
um, sauteed or something like that. So really understanding what stage the food is at and what opportunities there are for that stage. Exactly. And this was one of the very difficult things I found with the cookbook when I was writing it, when it came to things like fruits and vegetables, because, you know, in a recipe, I can talk about one thing, say you can use apples, you know, and then at the end of the recipe, I'm like, you can substitute apples for peaches or this and that. I also wanted to tell people, well, how long will apples, you know, last or how long will a fruit last at the in, in your fridge and how, how long, what kind of opportunity you have to use them up. And then it's like, well, with each thing from apples to peaches, to cantaloupe, to watermelon, to you know, everything has a different lifespan at the beginning of the cookbook, actually writing a chart that people can actually look, look up fresh fish. It'll last this long in your fridge or this long in your freezer and use it up, you know, and I I was like, I can actually then categorize everything and have a quick glossary for people to be able to kind of give themselves a timeline and also in this glossary, you know, tell them how to properly store it, you know, how to properly store carrots when you bring them home, you know, from the grocery store, you know, store them in water and take the, you know, trim, trim them and take the greens off and, you know, all of these different things. I, I think that's great. And I found that particularly helpful because we tend to go to the grocery store, not always, but a lot of people once a week. And then we try to put a menu to like our menu plan for the week. So if we knew, all right, this is going to be like at its best until, you know, two days from the day I do groceries or three days or it'll last four days, then you can start to plan your memory. And I thought that list in the Cook More Waste Less book was really, really helpful because it does help you do that. What what should I eat earlier in the week and what can I eat later in the week and avoid um, avoid leftovers, but also have everything at its freshest by understanding the lifespan of the food. So I think that was fantastic advice and a wonderful resource. So great, great thing to have added to cook more, waste less and tackling food scraps. So we think of scraps automatically as that's going in the garbage. It seems like it's a bit of a very uncertain game. You know, should I eat this scrap or should I not eat this scrap? So first of all, what are food scraps and how can we win against them? To me, food scraps is is typically whenever you're prepping a meal, uh, things that you would cut and most likely toss or things that you typically don't think are edible, but are perfectly edible if you know how to prepare them or what to use them for. How to win with with this, uh, this, this food scrap game is number one is education. So I mean, a simple Google search will teach you whether or not something is edible or not. If it's not edible, you're going to toss it, but you're not going to toss it in the garbage, you're going to toss it in compost, right? So we all know that. There's a lot of things out there that are completely edible that people wouldn't think of, like the banana peels, for instance. That's something that most likely I would say 98% of the people out there probably throw their banana peels away, right? Um, but no, you can use them up. The best way I have for using up food scraps is that when I'm prepping anything, uh, whether it's a proteins that have meat and poultry or whether it's vegetables or whatnot, I have two different bags going and I have one uh, like for proteins and one um, for uh, vegetable scraps. And these two bags always big, they're big freezer safe bags and they remain in my freezer. Whenever I'm prepping a meal, if I have bones or bits and pieces, it goes in one bag for proteins. And if I have my carrot tops and my onion skins, and yes, you can you can totally use onion skins. Um, and any of my veggie scraps, I throw them in another bag. Well, they're both be used for stocks and broths, one for a protein one and one for a veggie one. So I never have to buy 
stock and broth again. It's just free. Almost everything can be frozen. If you know how to properly freeze something, uh, even your leftovers, then you really, really reduce your food waste. Those are two great tips. And bone broth's like huge right now. So what a great way to make some yourself by keeping the pieces that you are not using and whatever it is you're preparing and, and freezing it until you have enough. That it'll make a nice stock. So really good idea. And also knowing how to freeze things. So really, really, really great tips. I loved the word transform when we're thinking about leftovers. And that's in the title of the book. What's one of your favorite ways to transform leftover food? One of the things I try to teach people to do is that when it comes to leftovers, think about taking your leftovers on a bit of a vacation. You know, you're taking them to a far off land. So this is where it comes to having like a great taco night or doing some si some sort of paella. So you feel like you're in Spain or just doing something that's completely different to transform it. That's such a great idea because then it makes it something to look forward to, whether that's like stuffed peppers using up like rice or whatever it is you have. It's, it's a little bit more Italian or Mexican, depending on how you put it together. What a great way to look at it so that it's reinvented something to look forward to and taking it on a vacation. I love the way that you said <laughs> that. So creative. This show, we try to bring the humanities, so history, philosophy, creativity to today's food dialogue. And how can these approaches and ways of seeing the world uh, fit in with zero waste kitchen? This is a very interesting question. I think everybody's food philosophy philosophy right now should be um, really looking into respecting food and realizing how absolutely valuable it is and how precious it is and how much work it goes into, you know, what our farmers do and what it takes to get it on the plate. Um, and these are all old school things. Like this is nothing new. It's, it's so hard because right now everything's so accessible. We're so used to having blueberries in January and, you know, previous generations didn't have those things. Right. So this is where the history comes in too. you know, generations ago, like my parents, parents, like they had ways to preserve food, uh, to make their food last longer. They rationed things. They ate on more of a budget, you know, and, and this is where the old school, like preserving and fermenting and all of those things kind of are starting to come back. Like during COVID, everyone made the sourdough bread. So um, there's the history that is kind of interesting when it comes to being more aware of climate change and what's going on in the food chain and how much food waste we're creating. There is an incredible knowledge out there in our family, this intergenerational approach to uh, food, but also loving every bite. In that process, we sort of rediscover food and our nature, that it is part of the human experience. And it's a really important factor to just love. Lo why not love every bite? You get a chance to love every bite. And that seeing food in its entire cycle and extending it, as we've talked about in this show with uh, the Zero Waste Kitchen that you created, Christine, and also the amazing cookbook that is um, Cook More, Waste Less. Do you have any final thoughts that you'd like to share with our listeners? Um, the only, I mean, the only thing I try to do too, is like when you hear the word zero waste, it sounds pretty harsh. Um, and it just is a, a gentle reminder that it's not a, like a hard goal. It's more something to aspire to and to take it gently. And, you know, education is key and every little bit 
counts. That's a great final thought. And it really is um, to take it away from, yes, there's this burden to it and we can look at it that way, but it can be so much fun, you know, eating seasonally and buying cookbooks like Cook More, Waste Less and discovering that education. Well, how did people used to deal with this or how might someone else in, you know, we have an incredible diverse, you know, community in Canada, like how do other cultures use these things? And how could then I use it, that it's something to embrace, you know, this goal and this aim of zero waste. It's so unifying. So wonderful final message. Thank you so much, Christine, for your all your amazing ideas and for joining us on the show today. It was lovely to be here. Thank you so much. Thank you. It was our pleasure. Today on Food for the Future, we've been speaking with Christine Tizard, author and founder of the Zero Waste Kitchen about avoiding food waste and how to use leftovers. Each week, we leave you with something to talk about and something to do. Something to talk about, what could you do to reduce food waste? Something to do, search the zerowastekitchen.ca to find creative and delicious ways to use all the food that you purchase, how to use leftovers, and much, much more. Next week on the show, it's City Farming, and we'll discuss how Canada's oldest seed company is preparing for spring and a new season. I'm your host, Peggy O'Neill, Home Economist, and you've been listening to the show, Food for the Future. Thank you to our platinum-level sponsors, Burn Bray Farms, Eggs for Life, and the Middlesex London Food Policy Council. Food for the Future with Peggy O'Neill airs every Saturday at 8.30 on 980 CFPL and 980 CFPL.ca.